This is What's the Buzz with Andrew Burkle. Yo. Check. Feeling dopamine deficient, mulling these decisions. Gotta be persistent if I want people to listen to the knowledge that I'm kicking. I know I could do it different. Rather keep my eyes locked on my truest vision, yeah. To hell with month long, right is black. I know my friends wondering, is he alright or not? Make it count in the remaining amount of time I got, but find myself running out. We are back, baby. It's What's the Buzz. I'm Andrew Burkle. Sorry for such a prolonged break, everybody. I didn't want to release any episodes during the holiday, and then I was on vacation, but we should be back in the regular groove of things. For today's episode, we have the legendary, and that that is not an understatement, legendary Alicia Seeger. She and I talk about her athletic career at U of M and in high school for many years at Celine coaching softball and teaching and why her family and spending her time with her family means so, so much to her. Just a lot of great stuff. You guys are really going to like it. First, we have some big, 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 giant news for the podcast. What's the Buzz now has a new sponsor. This episode is brought to you by, drumroll, the Garen Law Group, a criminal justice law firm based in Washtenaw County. Daniel T. Guerin is a board-certified trial attorney and former prosecutor with over 20 years' experience practicing law. For the Guerin Law Group, everything is personal. GLG strives to provide personal solutions, personal attention, and personal justice. Daniel's trial-based practice exclusively focuses on representing individuals facing a personal legal crisis. Anything ranging from drunk driving to civil litigations to driver's license appeals, Garen Law Group has you covered. A law firm dedicated to providing extraordinary personal justice when clients need it most. Check out their webpage at www.glgmichigan.com. Email info at glgmichigan.com or call 734-263-2780 for a free confidential consultation. Okay, thanks for your patience, everybody. Now let's get to that interview with Alicia Siegert. Hi, everyone. I'm at the Celine High School Athletic Office with uh, the legendary Alicia Siegert. Uh, how you feeling today? Uh, good. Busy. Busy. You know, just finishing up the year. You know, between the academics, uh, final grades are due today, and got to clean the office out, turn keys in. Yeah. All the the sad parts, I guess. I guess I have always thought that uh, once summer hits, that's like. Friday, you're done, and you're kind of like on vacation driving up north or something somewhere. Is that not really how it well, goes? Well, actually, I did. Friday, I you know, got as much done as I could, headed up north for the weekend. But no, there's a lot to finish through the summer with teachers. I mean, you're not done in the summertime. Yeah. And then, you know, for softball and baseball, both we have to take care of our fields mm-hmm. and then, you know, get prepared for the next year for academics. So mm-hmm. it's a busy summer. This year's going to be a little different since I'm not going to be preparing for the academic side, but just kind of help the crew that's here softball wise to make sure they're covered for the summer to mm-hmm. teach them you know what they have to do um just until they go through the new hiring process for sure so first thing i've got to ask you it's kind of really important you had a legendary softball career uh, at u of m i was reading about it on wikipedia did you know you had a wikipedia page <laughs> yeah it was brought to my attention about five years ago it's pretty hilarious <laughs> do you have any idea who made the wikipedia page i think for it's you? someone from u of m really i think u of m kind of went through and did some wikipedias 
So yeah, so, they just if you're big enough deal, they'll they'll make a Wikipedia I page. I guess that's for you. what they think. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, so I guess what was your athletic career like growing up, and how did you end up at U of M? Then? All right. So I started playing ball when I was four. Actually, my dad was my coach. Um, and I played baseball until I was 16. We didn't have fast pitch softball um, in our town. Very tiny town. You know, grew up in Manchester. So we only had baseball. So, you know, there were select girls that did play. It was not a big deal. Um, and then I believe it was my eighth grade year is when we got our first fast pitch team. So I played both. And so I played because I really loved baseball. That's what I knew. And played softball, you know, through my sophomore year in high school um, there. And then I transferred to Gabriel Shard my junior and senior year because we lost sports in Manchester. Mm-hmm. So finished my academic career there, graduated from Gabriel Richard, and then you know had the opportunity to play at Michigan. So that's why you ended up transferring to Gabriel Richard was because of the athletics? Yeah, it was supposed to be a year of no sports. My parents did not want me to sit out for a year. Um, so they you know kind of looked around. A lot of schools weren't taking transfers because a lot of schools were having trouble that year financially. Mm-hmm. But Gabriel Richard was opening their doors for students, so... That's why I went there. So it worked out well then? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, what was the recruitment process like, and how did you end up at the U of M then? That's kind of an interesting story. So I had opportunity around the country for different for both basketball and softball. And I think in the about mid-year of my senior, I just decided just to stick with bat, uh, softball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of went down to my last five choices, and um, with Michigan State – being at the top, I was. I always wanted to go to Michigan State. Ironic. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, being from a farm town and stuff, but um, they weren't really as open to study what I wanted to study and athletics. So I was in a meeting with my parents there, and they pretty much said it'd be difficult, and they don't think it'd be a good idea. So when we left the meeting, we left campus, and you know, went down to four schools, um, in. I, I made the, the definitely the best choice mm-hmm. for me academically and athletically was go to Michigan. So my final two was between Michigan and Indiana. So I chose Michigan. Uh, so the what was what was different about recruiting back then? Was it you know teams or email or sending you mail or what was like? How was the actual recruiting process? Mail, like, a lot of mail, mail, a lot of back and forth in mail or phones yeah. or what was that like? Phone and mail. You know, yeah. it was just. They couldn't call you until you're senior. They could start recruiting you your junior. That's what I remember, at least it was a while ago. <laughs> but, um, you know, going to their camps, I can talk to you. So, you know, I went to Central's camp a lot. I really, um, I didn't know of really a lot of other camps. That's where I started was in eighth grade going to Central's camp. It was locally at a, they had a, um, a distance camp, which was out at Sock Valley in the Irish Hills. Mm-hmm. So I went there every year and, um and then, you know, got to know some of the Michigan people. So, What was your fondest memory from your time at U of M? My fondest memory at U of M? Um, I, still my long, my friends. Like, uh, our softball team was really close and still is. It's a, it's a program that's a family by mm-hmm. far. I mean, everybody still comes together in the fall from the 70s to now. And the kids, when they when they play, when they come as freshmen, they pick their number. They have to do research on the number of everybody, and they have to get to know everybody. So it becomes a, a you know, community. So, you know, my best friends now are my were my best friends then. So yeah, that's really cool. And great professors for and sure. Still close to a lot of my professors that were there. Oh wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the for the ones for your major mainly or both. Yeah. I mean, you just I mean you had the you had to put the effort in. 
and you know i was never real confident with my academics even though i did well mm-hmm. i got to know my professors i made sure i took time and and met with them and if i had questions ask them um it's not a university that's open to a lot of that unless you put the effort into it mm-hmm. so and i so i got to know a lot of my professors for sure that's cool <clears throat> Uh, you were eventually inducted into the U of M Hall of Honor, Athletic Hall of Honor, in 2006. What did it feel like to be included with the greatest athletes, coaches, administrators in the history of U of M? You know, it's really weird because I think I felt the same way that first day I walked on campus. I mean, I remember to the T, I walked down the center of campus, went to Diag. I'm like, what in the heck am I doing here? It was just so overwhelming and big and kind of beyond my scope. I think it was the same thing because I remember I realized who was in the Hall of Honor you know, Cassie Russell, President Ford. It's like, holy, I'm Alicia Seeger, you know. I'm not one of them, but yet I guess maybe in the sport I was one of them just differently, you know. So I think that's really cool about Michigan is you don't all have to be the same. You just have to be a part, and not just be a part, but be part of what Michigan's about. And that's something I always was, was about making, you know, every effort all the time, um, both academically and athletically. So I guess in that way, I was a part. That's really cool. At what point did you realize when you were at, was it at U of M or was it earlier that you wanted to become an educator and how did you specifically end up at Celine? I never thought I was going to be a teacher. <laughs> I went to school, I, my whole, you know, since kindergarten, I was going to be a doctor. I always wanted to be a doctor and I went to school and knew if I wanted to exercise phys and kinesis, I had the opportunity. So I did that and I took some other classes at the same time that, you know, had PE in it. Um, I just didn't know if I'd ever do it. I just really was focused on being a doctor. And then um, I ended up getting the exercise phys and phys ed and social science degrees. And it came down that when I graduated, the next week I got a phone call and they needed some teachers in the Detroit area. Would you go for an interview? Well, I was only going to sit out and kind of study for MCAT. So I'm like, sure. So I went and interviewed, got the job, didn't even apply for it. I just, they called us to get you know, references, got the job, and that was it. I fell in love with teaching kids. Um, you know, I was off my parents to say, hey, are you going to go back to school? <laughs> but no, I just, I fell in love with just the aspect, you know, PE is viewed differently in different eyes, and to me, it's the best social education you can give through physical education. So I really liked it. You said your parents kind of had that reaction. Do you do people still have that reaction say, you know, you were studying to be a doctor? Mm-hmm. I know like it's obviously being an educator is thought of as highly, but some people just kind of have like that turn away at it. Do you still see that today and how do you deal with that? I think it's a little I think it's still the same. I mean, just more from the older people. I think the younger people understand and I I try to make it really apparent in my classes. I I'll, even my parents that I um talk to during conferences of what the class is about. And I think they appreciate that, that it's not the old way. Um, so, no, my parents realized it really was a passion. And, you know, maybe financially people question it. But when you talk about relating to kids and making a difference, there's no other place. So it was awesome. For sure, yeah. You started in 1990 here, is that correct? Yep. I saw that on the plaque mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Celine Post posted. <laughs> yeah, October 1990. What changed most from 1990 to 2019 while you were here? Um, the size. I remember it being a small Class B school then. Um, a lot of farm land, open spaces, you know, and it just in the 90s it blew up, later 90s. Um, I don't, you know, people say the kids change. Hmm. Kids don't really change that much. They're the same. They're just 
a different kid. Um, I think everyone has advanced. I think that's the biggest thing. I think in education, everything is advanced. So what kids learned in high school in the early 90s is what middle schoolers are learning now. So mm-hmm. the push towards academics is greater and the expectation is greater. So it'll be interesting in another 20 years to see the expectation yeah. growth. What about how athletes are treated? Because now it seems like athlete or athletics are a lot of individualization, you know, a lot of specific training for your sport. How has that affected specifically? You're in the gym every day. How has mm-hmm. it affected kind of the environment in there? Well, I think in phys ed itself, I think a lot of parents' attitudes is that, you know, my kid plays a sport, you know, they don't need the PE. Where if they really understand the emotional side or the social side, they really need PE because it's really, really see diversity. In your sport, you're with the same kids every day who have same common, everything's common, everything's alike, everyone's same direction. Whereas when you're in phys ed, it's very broad. So you really have to learn the diversity, how to how to work with people that are different and people that don't have the same goals, who don't want the same thing. So I think there's really benefits to the PE side. And now athletically, it's tough because, you know, they want, parents want their kids to be really good. And a lot of kids, parents want their kids to be college. So they really take their kids down to one sport. And I think to me still, it's a lot of eggs in one basket because once they go to high school, every parent's done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if a kid doesn't make that sport, they've put a lot of back. Mm-hmm. Now, now they're limited. Yeah. Where they're, you know, I say two sports, even three sports through eighth grade. Yeah. High school, two sports. And then once you're a junior, pick your sport. Right. But I think you just really have to give the kids chances to grow. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that's a lot a better way of saying that because a lot of people say, you know, play a lot of sports. But at some point, you kind of do have to pick your sport. But when you're getting there, like I was talking to Brendan Murphy the other day for the podcast, and he played hockey and football at right, Slane, and that's right. pretty pretty rare, but it can be done. You know, you yep. can you can play multiple sports oh, in absolutely. today's day and age. And I think that's even tough because those two sports overlap at the end and the for beginning, sure. which did cause some conflicts for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier for two sports that are apart, so like a fall sport, spring sport. Mm-hmm. When you have that winter sport in the middle, yeah, I think it's tougher. Um, I think it ends up that some kids are behind in the first spring sport, if they've played a winter sport, they mm-hmm. haven't done anything with the other sport. Yeah. But I think, you know, athletes are athletes. You know, they catch up and, you know, we're high school, we're not travel. So it's our job to pick them up and help them move along quicker. So that's what I like about high school. You know, it's not you pick your kids, it's what you get, you know, what mm-hmm. comes in the gym and, and what, what can you do with them. So I like, I love high school ball. Is that frustrating at sometimes though, when you're a coach and you have, basically no control because one year uh you could be the exact same coach and one year you're going to get an incredible incredibly talented team the next year you've done the exact same things and you just don't have the talent is that frustrating or is that just something that you come to grow to kind of appreciate you can get frustrated i guess internally but you sure can't show it externally Mm -hmm. because it's high school you know um but i think it's really important as high school coaches to understand why you're there and yeah being winning state championships, which I never did here. You know, I made it to the final four, which is amazing for any high school because not always the best teams win. I mean, if you look at even the, the Division One and Two softball champions this year, we beat the Division One champion and we lost to the Division Two champion. So we really build our schedule up so that we get good experience and 
we beat the state champion. So um, with a pretty above average team, not the best team I've had, but when it comes to work ethic, one of the better teams I've ever had. So you can't get frustrated. You just have to, you know, you you develop what you have. Mm-hmm. From your many, how many years did you actually coach varsity and all the other sports? 32 years. 32 years? Yep. What would be the one thing that you would tell a coach who is starting right now that they need to focus on and be the one thing to focus on? What would be the, the, your number one point? Love every day and be there for your kids because every day it's different. No two days are alike. Um, and I'm going to say f- generally for the, at least for the female sports because um, you're going to have a different group every day, not physically, but emotionally. And, you know, really trying to get these kids to learn to kind of let things go in a two-and-a-half-hour span of practices and games so they can focus on one thing is very difficult. Um, so just being patient and, and love what you're doing because it's how you change a kid more than how you change a game. You mentioned working with female athletes, and obviously you had a long career yourself. What do you think is – why do you think it's important – that they're that female athletes are given that equal opportunity and especially today we're seeing more you know title nine and everything why do you think that's so important that they have that chance i think it's more or less giving the kids opportunity to be successful and to be learn to be stronger and resilient because i think for everybody i don't think it's girls got everybody you know there's a point in your life that it's tough and i think as athletes and when you're competing, you run into so many roadblocks, and it teaches them how to be patient and to fight through them. And that's what life's about. I, that's an experience kids don't get outside of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? So let's shift gears a little bit here to, uh, to something that's more recent, your retirement. Mm-hmm. What went into that decision? Was it something more based on timing and circumstance, or was it something you were kind of just ready for? It was a lot of everything, I think. Um, so my goal, I'm a goal setter, and I knew that next year I was going to retire. That was my 30th year here, 35 total. That was going to be my year. But when um, the opportunity came up when they did the incentive, you know, um, I lost my mom the last day of November, and she, it was a surprise, really, um, whereas my dad's sick. So I'm like, huh, you know, this could be actually super perfect timing because now I could, my dad needs help. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, I think there was a blessing to it. So it gives me the opportunity now to spend family time and um, just kind of gather and, you know, make new paths it was a year earlier so i'm still working on it and i'm kind of an ocd person so i'm a little behind the eight ball right now but you know it's gonna be it's gonna be good it's gonna be really good yeah essentially your entire adult life you've been working for saline schools Mm -hmm. what are you feeling now that that stage of your life is kind of over and how are you adjusting with it well it's funny because i keep saying everyone if you need help if you need help (laughs) so i think you know i've kind of put my feelers out there already so like I said to the athletic department, you know, if you need volunteers, you know, your guys behind and you don't have any extra help, I'll volunteer. The testing, you know, in the springtime with all the Mm -hmm. ACTSAT stuff, I said, if you need help, call me. I'm more than welcome. So I think there's ways I'm going to still keep my hands in. I I can't just leave the students. Um, I mean, that's really why you're a teacher. So, and I'm really proud of being a Selene alum teacher. And if I could still do little things here around to help out 
you know, the district, that'd be great. Are you going to try to do some more stuff with athletics? Are you still, you're still coaching softball? Is that the we plan? We have to, um, by the state rules, we have to resign from everything. Really? So I've resigned from all teaching and coaching positions. And that's just the way it is. Now, if a coaching job comes open like in August or September and, you know, I'd be interested in it. I can reapply, but as of right now, I have no ties to Celine. Oh wow, that's a kind of crazy law, isn't it? Well, I understand it. I think it's crazy, but I think um, there was a lot of ways that in the history of the state how people retired and were hired back, and they thought that was kind of like a double dipping situation, even though it was helping the school districts and saving them a lot of money. The um, the retirement system didn't think it was a good deal, so they made some new laws so none of that could happen. Mm-hmm. So there's limits of what you can make per year when if you retire as a teacher, public school, in a public school setting. So like all the public school colleges, high schools, you got to limit yourself, which is different than private as long as they're not through the state. Mm-hmm. So are you going to help try to find the next softball coach, or are you hoping to reapply for that position? No, I don't. No, I'm not going to reapply for softball. I, for sure. I know that for sure. That's an all-year sport. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to be pretty much involved for 12 months. And I had already talked to my family about that. And I said, if I'm retiring for the year, it wouldn't make sense that I'm going to be te- coaching softball all year. Mm-hmm. So I will not be reapplying for softball if it comes up. Um, and I won't be on the hiring either. I mean, I think that'd be kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a weighted person. Um, you know, they might be looking in a different direction. And I wouldn't provide that. So I don't know what they're going to do, and it's up to the athletic department. With that said, do, would you like to have try to be part of the hiring process? Is that something you want to do? You know, I would love to be, but it won't be because I think I don't know where their, I don't know where their vision is, mm-hmm. um, if it's a similar or if it's different. So, yeah, they won't. I, you don't find coaches generally who've retired back on the hiring, and so, no, I won't ask for that. Yeah, that's got to be. That's got to be a crazy adjustment for you because now you're going from full-time teaching, full-time softball to kind of just neither. Yeah. I think I'll feel it more in September because it's like the normal right now. Mm -hmm. September won't be the normal. So I think that's where it's going to get a little interesting. Yeah. I have three months to prepare for it. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of vacations. and (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what what was the craziest thing you ever saw while coaching? Anything stick out? Yeah, I remember one play, a play, well, two plays. Uh, one, oh, they both went not our way, but um, one play was a play at Ipsy High School. My right fielder went out for a fly ball, made a crazy catch, ran into the fence, and the ball came out of her glove over the fence. That was a home run. What? Yeah, so that was that was at Ipsy. I'll never forget that one. That was within the last eight years. So did her shoulder go flying into the wall, and then the glove it was a kind of launched. Yeah, over? it was a metal fence. So she kind of compressed into it, and when her arm hit the pole part, it jerked the ball over the fence, out of her glove, and it went over the fence for a home run. <laughs> what was your reaction? Well, there was nothing you can do. Everyone was yelling. You know, all the parents <laughs> and everyone was yelling. It's not a home run. She made the catch first, but. You know, you kind of have to look at him. Like, ah, it is a home run. Mm-hmm. It went over the fence, you know. Yeah. It is. So, you know, sometimes it's explained to the parents and fans that, yeah, it's kind Tough of craziness, break. but it, it's the rule. The other one was when in the state quarterfinals when the kid hit the grand slam on us. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt so bad for our kids because they'd worked so hard. And, you know, you make a choice of walking her and scoring a run or letting her hit and – we had a great pitch called, and, you know, she just – she hit it, and that was the way it goes. 
So those two things are really, but I think more than that is watching our kids walk up the field the last time every year. That always is in my head. Like it was again this year, you know, when we lost the last game, you just remember their eyes and that's what I see. And, you know, it's always, you know, you all, I say to myself, I hope I did the right thing. I hope I, I hope I, you know, really helped each one of these kids. I hope they've, are there better people for being a part of the game? You know, that's all I can hope. High school sports is, like you said, it's just the kids are kind of, they don't change that much. They're always going through. But does seeing, like you said, just seeing those kids walk off for the last time, does it hurt just as bad every time seeing them? Absolutely. You know, it's fun watching the kids even come back because all my kids knew that when they came back to the games, they could come into the dugout. It was an open dugout for alumni, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much how it is at Michigan, too. Between games, you can go down or go into the – I've always kept it open so the kids can be a part of it. Even if we're in the middle of the game, they're allowed to come in the dugout and be a part of the game because they understand. They're not going to come in and do crazy stuff. They know what it's about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's very similar. Like, it's just tough at the end. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears a little bit, take a quick <clears throat> break, and uh, we'll be back with the off-topic topics. All right, we're back. Let's do the off-topic topics. Uh, what is your favorite sport to watch on TV? Oh, wrestling. Wrestling? NCAA wrestling. Really? Yep. How would you get that into that? Well, most people don't know this, but I will say it now since I'm retired. I started wrestling before I even started any other sport. It was the first sport I learned. My brothers were wrestlers, and I had a lot of energy, and they always practiced all their moves, so I started wrestling. And I had um, one of the... Russian Olympic coaches um, as a head coach, and so I wrestled from age four until eighth grade. Oh, wow. That's pretty crazy. So that's my favorite. Unique, unique fact there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your least favorite day of the week? Mm, least favorite day of the week? Uh, Wednesdays. Wednesdays? Yeah. Why Wednesdays? Well, I've always been a teacher and coach that I don't really, I love weekends for the break, but to me, negatives and then you're almost like halfway there that it's not always about me as a break it's about my kids mm-hmm. and um, weekends aren't always the best for kids mm-hmm. what about favorite month favorite month would have to be august for what my mom and my birthdays oh really <laughs> yeah we're four days apart oh that's cool yeah uh what about and football almost back in august yeah getting ready for football season yeah yeah cool. i love that time of the yeah. year too what about uh, what type of phone do you have? Do you have Android? I have iPhone? iPhone. iPhone? Old 7. Old 7? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the hardest thing that you've ever worked for? Uh, the Olympics. Olympics? Mm-hmm. Did it work out? or I chose no. Chose no? Yep. I was teaching here. It was my first year here. So it was the it was my first year here, but I was very settled in here. And I had the opportunity to go off to camp, and I chose not to. And that was my last goal. After everything I did, I said I wanted to be an Olympian and it just wasn't good timing I'm not saying in the end they would have picked me I think I had a very good opportunity but it was bad timing I was really into Celine teaching and I, it wouldn't have been fair to sit out for a year mm-hmm. did you have to do a lot of training up to that point and then you decided or well you're training every year so I played every summer um, travel ball mm-hmm. so in high elite travel ball not not lower ball so you prepare and you play against all the best of the best, you know, all the big college kids, and you just do what you can do. And I, I went out to the Pan Am Training Center and worked out in Colorado Springs and did really well out there. So I had the opportunity just, you know, it could have or 
couldn't, you know, I can't say what would have happened, but I just didn't feel that I should do it. Is there anything you've ever discovered before anyone else did that kind of became mainstream later? Yeah, this is really funny, actually. Science. I'm a science math person. Mm -hmm. So back when I was um, in middle school, early middle school, my dad was a um, impact engineer for Chrysler. I said, Dad, we got to figure out how we could possibly make these side mirrors defrost because they're ridiculous. Oh, they'll never buy it. Really. <laughs> Every vehicle has defrosted side mirrors now. You that know was what? the idea before that the uh before yep. anyone else thought of it. And actually he he does he designed the uh safety latches for the sliding doors for um vans. So oh, they cool. would so they'd lock and not cuz they used to open and come right back. They wouldn't shut and right, open yeah. and he designed that. Well, that's cool. What is your favorite place to go out to dinner to? Oh, my favorite place for dinner. Um, I'd have to say the Hungry Wolf in Manchester. Oh, is, do you Ooh. still live in Manchester? Nope, I still live in Tecumseh, but that's my meeting ground with my parents. Yeah. They, you know, they always went there, and we actually went there last night. Yeah. So do it's a family a place. Do you have a favorite uh, menu item there? Oh, I would have to say they're fish dinners. Fish dinners? Yep, Fridays, Saturdays, yeah. Friday's the most important night, though. What is the thing you're most looking forward to in retirement? Family time. Because my family always knew that from September to June was school time, so my time with them was limited. But now, and then June, July, and August was their time. Um, now it's our time. That's really cool. Okay, that's all the time we're going to have for today. Sweet. Uh, thanks so much for being here and uh, for all you did for Celine. Yeah. And uh, you're going to be missed. Well, you too, and I know I had the pleasure of being your teacher and loved it. And it was fun watching you get through school too. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem.